What's up, everybody? Welcome to Balls Deep with Devin and Javon, where we plan to dive balls deep in all the hottest stories in sports. I'm Javon, and I'm with my co-host, Devin. We're just two friends who built a bond over sports back in middle school and wanted to put our passion into a podcast so that we can share our thoughts and analysis with the sports world. We intend to cover a plethora of sports such as soccer, baseball, professional and collegiate football and basketball, boxing, and UFC. We hope you all enjoy. Considering that we had so much content to cover and how excited we were to get our podcast started, we've decided to premiere our podcast with two episodes. In our first episode, we'll be talking about the first four episodes of the Last Dance Michael Jordan Bulls documentary, followed by NFL trades that happened before and during the 2020 NFL Draft. In our second episode, we'll dive into the NFL Draft and tell you all a few things that surprised us, our favorite picks, biggest steals, reaches, and sleepers, along with determining the winners and losers of the draft. Are we ready? I guess not. All right, so we're going to jump in here. Uh, We're going to start off talking about the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, what we thought about it. We're going to hit a few topics. I think so far the documentary is dope, honestly. I just wish that it was in chronological order. I know it jumps from the first championship to the last, back to his college days and back to the last year. And I get it's the last dance and it's focused on the last year of them being together. Uh, however, I just wish it was in chronological order for the average uh, viewer or kids that want to watch the documentary to learn more about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan just to learn more. It would be easier for them to follow if it was chronological. Um, but for a fan like myself who knows like the background and things like that, it's easier to follow because we kind of... Yeah, it does jump around quite a lot. Yeah. I, I kind of like... I don't like the fact that it jumps around as well, but I kind of like uh, the fact that it seemed like the first four episodes were tailored to like the main pieces of that team. Yeah, It seemed like Jordan got the first episode, then it went to Pippen, then it was Rodman, and then this one kind of talked a little bit more about Phil Jackson. Yep. I like that aspect of it. They kind of gave them first four episodes, kind of just a little background on each of them. Uh, yeah, the man. jumping around did kind of catch you off guard because one at one point you're like Jordan's rookie year, and then you're back to the final year, and then they're talking about when they finally beat the Pistons. So it does jump around quite a bit, but other than that, it's really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, in the words of Vince McMahon, this is some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's definitely a great documentary, and it allows the youth and people that didn't get to watch Michael Jordan to kind of see how great he really was yeah. um, and why people hold him up on a pedestal in a way. Just because dude was a fucking beast. I mean, you can watch these highlights. He was athletically gifted, especially compared to his opposition. He was just... They talked about in the most recent episode where with the Pistons, they were basically trying to say, don't let him get in the air. Once he's in the air, you, you're not yeah. stopping him. Hashtag not my goat, but, uh, you know... <laughs> I do. That, that's it, for it another is, conversation. It is good seeing, you know, the background and, like, what was going on behind the scenes as well with the team. Not just, like, what was going on with the media. You kind of get to see the truth behind all of it rather than just, like, all the talk in the media. Like, oh, Jordan leaving and this guy getting traded and this, that, and the third. You kind of get to see what's actually going on, which you also get the media's perspective. But it's also, it's just refreshing because you yeah. don't get to see that stuff all the time. You just kind of hear what you hear from the media and that's it. It's definitely refreshing too because right now we're during quarantine so we've been deprived of sports for a very long time so getting something sports related is kind of revitalizing I guess the sports world in a way. But just watching this documentary I I just can't help but smile 
and the reason why is I just I can see why Kobe gets so much comparison to Michael Jordan because everything that he's he's done I've honestly seen. You watch it and you see. I see Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. I see Kobe. Me being born in 1997, I didn't really get to watch Michael Jordan, so I grew up watching Kobe. That's why you say hashtag not not my goat, but <laughs> uh, Kobe to me is the greatest of all time just because he was my Michael Jordan. I grew up idolizing him. And whatnot. So getting to see Michael Jordan in this documentary, it kind of puts a smile on my face. It gives you more appreciation for Kobe. Yeah, it definitely gives me more appreciation for Kobe just because essentially his game is a mirror image of Michael Jordan. Uh, and he essentially just evolved the game as well because he took he picked the minds of other great players as well, which is why I, I don't know, but I think he was more well-rounded. But that's for another conversation. <laughs> Being that Kobe just passed away too, it, it was definitely a sad time, especially in the Laker world and sports world. To be able to see Kobe and Michael Jordan, I just couldn't oh, help yeah, but smile. Great. And later parts, I think the later parts coming up is going to have a lot of Kobe in it. So yeah, no, I'm not looking forward to it. What do you think about uh, fucking <laughs> Jerry Krause? I think he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, I mean, I think he's a genius in putting everything together. Just because he was the mastermind behind drafting yeah. Jordan. He was just a bit of an egomaniac. Yeah, yeah. He just kind he, of he wanted was, a lot more credit than he was receiving, which is fair. But at the same time, it's... I mean, he, you he, keep he, deserves, he deserves his credit. He put everything together. Like of I said, course. he drafted Jordan. He, got, he brought Pippen in. He was able to change the franchise around because at one point it was bad. They were getting outsold by, I think, an indoor soccer team or yep. something like that. Um, it, was, it was bad, but he definitely deserved his credit because he definitely brought Phil into the franchise and kind of pushed him or tried to advocate for him to become the head coach. And eventually it did and everything turned around. Okay. He definitely deserves his credit, but I, I say he's more of an idiot towards the end, the, like the second repeat, just because he was trying to break it up sooner rather than later. Yeah, it was it was still working. You yeah, it was it it still working. So it's not working. Exactly. Like Jordan said, you have to lose it. You know, Before you break everything up, you got to give yourself the opportunity to like continue on winning. You can't just kind of give up your winning ways. You got to go with what's working. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I mean, let's say they lost the championship and he wanted to break it up, then I think that would have been fine. Um, just because it just goes to show that they can't be beaten. But if you're you already won three championships on the first repeat and you just finished winning your second in a row and your fifth overall, why break it up? I mean, you're winning. Don't uh, what's it saying? Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah. So I think the the thought process and wanting to trade Pippen was stupid. I feel like Pippen has always been undervalued because of how great Michael Jordan was, which he was. So I don't want to discredit him either. But to see how how much he was getting paid in the contract, and then the fact that he was trying to get a new deal, but they didn't want to pay him. Yeah. But they were admitting that he was the second best player in the league at the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty fucked up in my mind. Yeah. Just Even the owner said it. He said once he signed a contract, he's like, "Don't, don't come to me after that." Yeah, I mean, I think he was an idiot initially to sign that long of a deal for that amount of money. I mean, at that time, that money was a lot, but the the length of deal, he was kind of setting himself up for failure. I I can see where he was coming from and wanting to uh, provide provide for his family like and and kind of not risk him getting injured and losing out on everything. Yeah, but I I just feel like if you're admitting he's the second best player, why not pay him his due? Yeah, I mean, you want to keep that tandem together as long as you can. Yeah, that franchise definitely dealt with a lot of things the wrong way, at least back then. Yeah, and and another thing I want to talk about about Jerry Cross is how he handled Phil Jackson. I know he brought him in, and then he uh, their relationship kind of got messed up uh, throughout the years. But that last year where he, they signed him for that one year deal, and he basically went to his office and Cross told him, uh, 
this is your last year in Chicago. I don't care if you go eight and two and zero or or whatever. I mean, that's pretty stupid if you ask me. If you go eight two and zero and you win a championship, why not bring him back? I think it just I think it just basically boils down to the fact that Cross is just like egomaniac. I mean, he he kind of felt like he built that team. Obviously, like the players are the most important part of that process, but he built that team, and in a way, he felt like Phil Jackson was kind of getting more credit for what that team was doing rather than himself getting the credit. At least that's the way I kind of saw it. And and I I get what he was saying, saying like he said something along the lines like no player uh, wins championships or no coaches win he championships. Said organizations don't win championships, win. organizations. Yeah, win organizations. And I get what he was saying. I mean, the initial thought about what he said is stupid, um, just because you can tell he was trying to take credit for it. But when he went back and tried to explain himself again, he just means it takes all units to win a championship. But then I, I agree with Michael Jordan saying, yeah, it takes everyone to win a championship, but it it's the players that matter yeah. the most. Obviously, he he tried to backtrack on it, but everybody kind of knew it was clearly a shot at Michael Jordan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't blame Michael Jordan and Pippen for picking at him either. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about giving him all the short jokes, saying, oh, uh, Carlos, you, you coming to uh, they were practice bit, with us? They were a bit ruthless. <laughs> he, he goes, yeah, and he was like, oh, I, I guess we got to have to lower the hoop then. <laughs> Jordan, was, Jordan was like, uh, Jordan was like, oh, you take those pills for uh, your diet or for your height? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like it's all fun and games, but there was some truth behind what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was and back to to Carlos too. It's like when they were trying to tank. I think it was Michael Jordan's rookie year where he got hurt, or his second year he got hurt, and they were trying to go into the playoffs, making a push, and they and he made a return, but they limited him to seven minutes per half. Yeah, and it was like they needed to win the game to win to make the playoffs, and. They were like, don't let him go at any seconds over his time limit or you're going to get fired. They told that to the coach. And it was like 30 seconds left or 15 seconds left. His time was up, and they didn't want to let him in. And it was a one-point game, and if they win, they make the playoffs. Um, Michael Jordan pushed to get in, but it didn't work. And then when they did happen to win, uh, they locked him out of the locker room after the game. They didn't want to let him in to celebrate. It's understandable, though. Because it was only his second year. I mean, he was already a great player. It's basically your entire franchise. I mean, if he gets injured, even if it's 30 seconds, if he gets injured, I mean, they said it. Like, his career is oh, no, no, like, I, practically over. I, I agree with the organization's thought process in protecting their franchise. Um, seven minutes is nothing. But I get where Jordan's coming from, too. Nothing. From a competitive standpoint. Uh, Feeling like they were giving up and just want. Yeah, they're, they're basically tanking pick. to get a higher pick. Uh, but my thing is... You're on the cusp of making the playoffs. It's 15 to 30 seconds left. Why not just let him play the rest of the game? And if you lose, then you lose. You get what you wanted. But if you win, then your franchise player is happy and you go about your day. I think that situation was just handled poorly. And that's how the relationship was built off of. And that's kind of what led to Michael Jordan kind of busting his balls all the time. Yeah. The relationship went sour real fast. Yeah. Um, and then, but if we want to talk about the recent uh, episodes, Dennis Rodman is one a savage, and two a genius. Dennis Rodman is <laughs> there's like no word to describe what Dennis Rodman is. Dennis Rodman is Dennis Rodman. He's just a weird dude. Oh, for sure. But like, I don't know. There's but, like, I hate to say weird because there's no really no normal. But he's just like exceeds all. Like he's just himself. 
It's kind of yeah. it's great to see kind of get a little bit of background on them. Yeah, I know they have a doc on ESPN about just Dennis Rodman, which I'd love to watch at some point. But uh, that whole Vegas thing, and then uh, <laughs> Carmen Electra telling the story about when Jordan knocked on the door and she was hiding because she was like all naked, basically. That whole thing was. Yeah, I mean Dennis Rodman. I, I, I it was great seeing how he evolved from when he was with the Bad Boy Pistons to going to the Bulls. Um, he was basically saying. Uh, he became his own person once he left uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, he never wanted to leave Detroit. He loved Detroit. But when he got traded to the Spurs, he just was like, fuck everybody. I'm going to be me. And yeah. he just evolved into the Dennis Rodman that we know today. It was, yeah. It was uh, definitely dope to see because like you, you see Dennis Rodman for what he is when you first look at him and you kind of hear stuff about him and you see like like him going to Vegas and doing that. Yeah. And like obviously they give him 48 hours and he like exceeded that. But then he comes back and he's just immediately ready. Yeah, I mean... Like, more ready than anybody was. Everybody else didn't want to... Like, Jordan was saying he didn't feel like he wanted to run around the gym to make up for where Dennis Rodman was lacking. And it turns yeah. out he was in better shape than everybody. Yeah, he, he was basically telling everyone to jog and slow down and and just take it easy. And then next thing you know, fucking uh, Dennis Rodman <laughs> flew and they had to do, like, four laps just to catch up to him. Indian runs are, are no joke. I definitely can relate to those. But it was just crazy to see how uh, freakishly athletic he was. And it allows you to appreciate who he is. Um, he definitely gets a bad rep in the media um, just because of his image and how he comes at first, like just the way he looks. Um, but just, you could just see and appreciate his game more, but like how smart he is and, and, th- yeah. and what he meant to that team. Um, just him breaking down how to rebound – Oh, that was insane, bro! That he was, was talking about that was seeing insane. where the ball bounces off the rim and everything. Like that's that for me. That's more chance than anything. It's just like if it bounces, it bounces. Like how the yeah, fuck but do he I... was talking about how he was Larry Bird's. Everything. He was talking about how Larry Bird's spin, shot has a spin on it. Magic's Magic's may spin. Jordan like, spins a certain way. He was just t- breaking down the physics and geometry and angles of how the ball bounces off the rim, and he he basically said. He tell a friend to come to the gym with him and just shoot it from there, shoot it from there, and basically just calculating on where he has to be uh, when certain players are shooting. It was just he's just a genius. And, oh yeah, he's uh, really smart. And but the, with the Vegas trip, I found it fucking hilarious that uh, he was slacking basically, and then Pippen Jordan basically was like, "Hey, I need you to do more." And he was a model citizen. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Pippen came back, he was like. I need a fucking vacation. <laughs> and Jordan was like, if anyone needs a fucking vacation, it's me. But then he was like, would you take 48 hours? And then Jordan was like, Phil, you give him 48 hours, he ain't going to be back in 48 hours. And they said it too. They said he stayed a lot longer than 48 hours. Yeah, I don't even remember how, how long it said, but he was definitely there for like a week. But you, you can tell how talented he, or how much he meant to that team. The fact that they sent Michael Jordan to go pick him up in, in Vegas. Vegas. Uh one, that's idiotic because anything could have happened uh, to Michael Jordan <laughs> throughout that time. But two, that just shows how good and how much he meant to that team. The fact that Michael Jordan personally went to go pick his ass up and bring him to practice. And it was funny that he wore pajamas and some slippers to practice. <laughs> and Phil was telling him to do certain things. And Michael was like, don't push it now, Phil. He, He's like, you're he, asking too much. You're asking too much. <laughs> just be glad he made it here. <laughs> so uh, that, that in itself, too, just shows that well, appreciation for Phil too, because he was more reasonable as a coach, and you could tell like 
what he had to do to kind of balance all the personalities that were on that team. Yeah, he did really well. Rodman said no one really understood him as much as Phil. Phil kind of uh, bonded over, bonded with him over like uh, Native, Native American, American um, things, yeah. uh, like the culture and the history, and that's how he built his relationship. And he viewed him differently than anyone else did. Um, and then the triangle offense was something that broke basketball essentially. Yeah, um, I learned to appreciate it just with Phil's time with the Lakers and Kobe and Shaq, and then Kobe and Gasol and in those eras, uh, but just to see how it all started in Chicago was pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Overall, uh, like we said in the beginning, this, the docs are great. I can't wait for the uh, rest of the six episodes and to have some more conversations about it. Yeah, they're great. I just wish it was chronological for the average viewer. I'm looking forward to the next six episodes just because so far, so good. Uh, I know next week's episodes, Kobe's going to be in it, so it's going to yeah. uh, pull, pull some heartstrings. Yeah. I I might I might have to hold back some tears. I'm not gonna lie. Drop a few tears. Yeah, yeah some gangster tears. You know, <laughs> for, for my my boy Kobe, R.I.P. Um, but that's that, and on to the NFL. So um, <laughs> so now we're just gonna talk about some of the trades that went on in the NFL, either before or during the NFL draft. Uh, I know a few of them are. Like the Gronkowski trade, Trent Williams, Matt Breida, and Marquise Goodwin. What were your initial thoughts on, let's say, uh, the, the Gronk trade? What were your initial thoughts? Um, I thought it was, it's just weird how things like always seem to work out in that way. Um, I can't say that it was unexpected. It seems like uh, Brady and Gronk were both kind of done over in New England. They, it seemed like Belichick was kind of pushing players out in a way. Uh, I I don't think that players really like his attitude, and the Patriots have that Patriot way, where everybody seems replaceable. I don't think that Bronk and Brady appreciated that as their careers uh, prolonged in New England. I think that's what ultimately led to Gronk retiring, and ultimately uh, Tom Brady not wanting to go back, even though it seemed like he didn't have much of a choice because yeah. New England wasn't really offering much, if anything at all. But I think it's a great pickup for Tampa Bay. I think they might be able to use a two tight end set or use who they have now and acquire some more picks in the future or even just another piece that could bring them closer to a title because they still have a lot of weak spots on that team, including defense. Um, For me, I I can agree with you on saying, like, I can tell, like, players were getting burnt out with how things are done in New England. Um, I wouldn't say it led to Gronkowski retiring. I think it was more so his injury history and just his body just breaking down on him. You could tell, like, his production kind of diminished his last season um, in New England. Um, but I definitely think Belichick played a factor just because, like, in the thought process, like, do I really want to return and put up with all this again yeah. uh, just to break my body down even more? Brady, I think the relationship went sour when he – when uh, news broke out saying that Belichick tried training him to San Fran. Oh, and, uh, and, and, and having Garoppolo, yeah. And, and, and the I fact agree. that uh, Kraft jumped in and, and changed it. I honestly think Belichick was onto something at the time. I agree. I think they should have traded Brady instead of Garoppolo. Yeah, they won a championship after. I'm not saying that Brady was done by any means, but I'm just saying they should have started the rebuild sooner rather than later because now they're in a worse situation than they would have been then. 
Now, with the Gronkowski trade, I think initially I looked at it and I think they got a steal for him just because I felt like New England could have got more out of it in a way because I, I know there was that rumor trade to the Lions that they were getting like a second-round pick and a bunch of other stuff for Gronkowski a few years back and Gronk threatened to retire and they had turned it down. But now that I've thought about it, I honestly think New England won the trade. Just initially, Bucks are in, in win-down mode. And it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And I, I just think with the trade, you don't really know what Gronkowski you're going to get because he, he sat out a year, which is beneficial to his body, but you don't really know where the production aspect is going to go. Tampa didn't really need him. They already had two uh, quality tight ends, but it's going to be beneficial. Like, why not take him, take advantage of it? Just because that was Brady's blanket in yeah. New England. And Brady's production was a lot better when Gronk was on the field. And at worst, in my eyes, Gronk's going to just help the, the run game. And open up holes because he was he's a really great blo- uh, blocker. Yeah, but in my eyes, you, his production is a question. You don't really know what you're gonna get from him. And two, yeah, so, so they're a win now mode. So after this year, their best chance of winning a Super Bowl would be this year. Yeah. Uh, after this year, both Gronk and Brady are a year older. Their production is bound to drop eventually. So if they don't win a championship now uh, or this year, it's kind of more in favor for New England. And, and for me, the reason why I said New England in won terms the trade. Of winning the trade? Yeah, and it, but the reason I, why I say they won the trade, though, he was retired, and if he would have unretired without kind of putting out his opinion on, like, if he about returning, about him, or the statements of him returning and only playing for Tampa, if he didn't put that out and he just unretired, that his contract would have won against their books, and they only had less, they had already had less than $10 million in cap space on, on their books, and he would have took he would have went over that and put them in basically uh, a cap situation where they would have to trade him anyway. Um, which, but also put them that those statements put them in a situation where they didn't really have any power. That's yeah. That's what I was going to say. Power. I didn't really see like a winner or a loser of this trade. I feel like they both uh, benefited well from it. Yeah. I mean, New England got something when they could have gotten nothing at all. Yeah, and that's and the, and like that's you the, said. They they was it might could have gone against their books. You know, so they they get they got something in return for something of no value to them, um, and like you said, the Bucks was basically the only place he was willing to play yeah. with Tom Brady, and they basically gave up next to nothing for him. So for me, it was kind of a it was as even as a trade is going to get. I didn't really see a winner or a loser just based off that alone. I feel like both teams kind of uh, gained something. I agree. I agree. The reason why I said the Patriots won. I was just thinking long-term. Um, yeah. And like you said, they essentially got something out of nothing. Yeah. They could have got nothing for him. And why not take a fourth-round pick and, and a player that you can develop and whatnot. And I know New England eventually packaged the, that trade that they got in a deal to trade up in the draft to get Anthony uh, Jennings. So let's see how that pans out. Yeah. And then you can really determine who's the winner or loser. But also, to Tampa and the offense don't really utilize their – their tight ends well. I know um, since the last season with Winston on the helm or at the helm, Bray and Howard seen a combined 117 targets. Uh, in in Arizona, tight ends received 86 targets in 2018 with left uh, Leftwich calling the plays, and 100 targets in 2017 with just Arians in, in his last year as a head coach. Whereas Grant received 72 and 105 targets alone during that tenure. Um, so they're going to have to shift that offense yeah. uh, in order to utilize uh, Gronkowski and their tight ends a lot more to benefit Brady because Brady loves using his tight ends. Yeah. 
Uh, but this trade also means to me that Breit or Howard are on their way out. I know Howard made some comments about not wanting to be there anymore yeah. um, after the trade that he wants out. Um, but I think it would be great for him to stay, get mentored by Gronk. They have very similar games. I mean, Howard plays a lot faster. I can't imagine Gronk being there for that long anyways. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I think it would be beneficial to him, especially with the year he had last year. And also, if you relate it to Brady's time in New England when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, it would it'd be somewhat uh, similar uh, just because uh, Howard is almost a hybrid of Gronk and Aaron Hernandez in a way. But I wouldn't blame them if they were to trade him either because yeah. they would get more value for yeah, him value, than, yeah. than Cameron Brate. But Cameron Brate's no scrub either, so I, I think anyone would be willing to take him, especially with the tight end situation going on. I think it's a little tough when you – when you talk about the targets, they definitely can change a little bit on, of their schemes in turn to fit that Brady Gronk combo a little better. But when you're going from you have you have a receiver in Mike Evans who's you know who's going to get most of the attention. So when you're going from a, when a from a tight end like Cameron Brait or OJ Howard to Gronk, it's it's a big difference. I mean that alone is gonna is gonna be able to skew their offense a lot more. Towards tight ends. I mean, you have having Gronk and Mike Evans on the field at the same time. It's just you're gonna have to decide. Like it's a pick your poison. Yeah, I, I mean, I see where you're saying. Gronk's gonna get his targets. Yeah, he's definitely gonna get his targets regardless. It's similar to Jason Witten. Like, yeah, it's different because Jason Witten was a lot older. But Jason Witten was known to be a third down target regardless. Yeah, like he runs the first down, turns around, you throw it in. He's a blanket. So. Worst comes to shove in the pass game, that would be Gronk. Yeah, but, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. But it's he's like, gonna benefit or help Tampa in terms of the run game. But being that he's a big name in Gronk, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Regardless All of eyes schemes, are gonna be on him. he's going to be open. He, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna require attention yeah, uh, for the defenses. And then in terms of the Trent Williams trade, I, I, love, I love this trade. For the, for, I, obviously, uh, as a Giants fan, you love to see the Redskins yeah. kind of uh, trade away a big piece. But as for San Fran, it was great. Because Joe Staley's on his way out, and Trent Williams went a year off. He was Pro Bowl left tackle, one of the top three left tackles in the game yeah. while playing. I know Pro Football Focus said he put up a, a grade of, like, I think, 79-plus for the years 2011 to 2018. I just think one of the powerhouses in the, in the NFC and in the NFL just got better, honestly. Yeah. I mean, um, they, they were really busy this draft, I mean, just in terms of trading away Breda. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the trade for left tackle out of Washington. Trent Williams. Trent Williams. This team was already already really good, and it just seems like they got so much better on paper yeah. over the last week. I don't know how much better it's going to actually show when it comes to the game, but obviously when you get a piece like, like Williams, your left tackle is going to be solidified for a, a little while. And like you said, with, you know, with Staley retiring, it's perfect time. Yeah. I mean, Staley was is an aging was an aging left tackle. He was still producing and putting up uh, great production, but he was more prone to injury because of his age. And they kind of felt that when both the left tackles got injured towards the end of the season. But I just feel like Trent Williams, being that he played under Kyle Shanahan in Washington, will be able to help anchor that offensive line. And they're already uh, a run heavy offense as it is compared uh, if you go based off of their season last season. And Trent Williams is a great run blocker. Uh, I just feel like their run game is just going to get better. Um, And they got him for a bargain. They got him for a fifth-round pick this year. 
Um, which, Washington had which, really no choice. Yeah, um, which resulted in uh, left tackle. Washington ended up picking an offensive tackle from LSU, but who knows how that pans out? Just because he had off the field, field issues yeah. and a third round pick next year. That was. I mean, if Washington wasn't a division rival, I would hope the Giants would have made that offer. No, I agree. Um, I, I believe I said the same thing. Was if that's all it took, I wish we would have yeah. um, drafted him. Although we did address the left tackle. And, with our pick. And, and it was also crazy to hear that Minnesota was in, was so close to getting that trade for Trent Williams done, um, but what took it off the table was them drafting uh, offensive tackle themselves, and they got the guy out of Boise State. I don't know how talented he is. I know from talks leading up to the draft, they were saying uh, he was a good option for maybe not if you were looking to draft the offensive tackle outside of the first round, but he's no Trent Williams. So I think. No, yeah. I, I think I think that's where. You're, Minnesota messed up. I think if I was Minnesota, I would have definitely did that trade. Especially yeah, it was a steal. Especially with their offensive line and how bad it is. Yeah. I mean, they could have definitely used someone of his caliber. And then talking about 49ers, they traded Matt Breida away. It was Matt Breida for the number 153rd pick. I think that's a fifth-round pick. And San Fran used that pick to pick an offensive tackle. Yep. So that offensive tackle, I don't know how good he is. But now with the trade with Trent Williams, I know – He's going to supply depth at the position. Like I was mentioning earlier, they dealt with injuries on their offensive tackle spots towards the end of the season and hope that the drop doesn't fall so much if an injury were to occur again. But in terms of trading Brita, it came as a surprise, but it didn't as well. They didn't really need him. I mean, he's a good back. It was a good pick for Miami. I think Miami's... What Miami's doing is incredible. I like their their whole... Everything that they did during the draft. uh, That was a... That draft, that trade happened during the draft, and I think Miami they really bolstered up on their O line and D line. Uh, they got a quarterback in Tua, and now they have a running back. I mean, they're probably gonna have to acquire a wide receiver at some point. Yeah, I mean they have Devontae they're, Parker already. Yeah, but once they get another solid wide receiver and get a, a few defensive pieces, that that team's really gonna be good, especially in a division like the AFC East. That's kind of Almost open. wide open now yeah. with the Patriots. Nobody really knows how good they're going to be. I mean, you still have the Bills who are really good, but obviously the Dolphins might actually be able to contend in that division yeah. now at this point. I agree. I mean, Brita gives them a one-two punch with Brita and Jordan Howard. I know they added Jordan Howard in the offseason in free agency. So that's a good one-two punch. Obviously, it's maybe not long-term. I don't know if they plan on keeping Breida long-term after this deal because I know his deal is expiring. He's got one year left on his deal. But in regards to the 49ers, it didn't surprise me because they still have Tevin Coleman on their roster. They got Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played in two years because he's been injured prior to the season. And they have Raheem Mostert. Um, So they've had depth at the position. They didn't need all of them. I I mean, they did running back by committee, and they still can do it. Yeah. But I think this deal is a great trade for both. Yeah, um, I agree. I was going to say it's kind of similar to the New England Tampa one. I didn't really see a clear winner. Obviously, sometimes that you'll see that in the future with picks that are acquired and who they draft with those picks or what they do with those picks. But overall, I think both teams uh, really benefited from this trade. I agree. I mean, I'd say if I had to pick a winner out of this, I'd pick the Dolphins. Same friend, I get what they were doing, and they're trying to uh, get cap flexibility financially because he's on an expiring deal, get something out of nothing in a way, and they probably weren't going to pay him. Also acquiring Trent Williams and ha- most likely having to pay him or restructure his deal, they need to open up cash space yeah. for that. 
but for the Dolphins, just getting him for that price tag and basically getting a one-year rental and seeing if he's a fit long-term and be able to decide on if you want to sign him long-term after that, I think that's why I'd say that they won the trade. And then Marquise Goodwin, the Eagles uh, acquired him for... Basically, they just swapped sixth-round picks with San Fran. So San Fran basically traded up in the sixth round by swapping picks, and the Eagles got Goodwin in return. Again, this was San Fran unloading a heavy contract on their roster while the Eagles were acquiring a player in a position of need. Their Definitely. Their receiver corps last year was terrible. Uh, the song about putting on the Eagles jersey that just <laughs> makes you not able to catch anymore. I, I mean, I love, I love Goodwin as a player. He's a speedster, uh, obviously. I think it was a bargain for what Philly got for him in terms of just swapping the picks. But I think taking on his contract going to hurt them long term. Um, I, don't, I don't see him staying on the team for much longer after the season. It was a good trade in terms of getting talent. But the fact that this happened after day one and they drafted Jalen Rieger first round instead of drafting Justin Jefferson, which I felt like would have been better. But Rieger, I guess, fits their system a lot more. And he's another speedster as well. Yeah. I mean, just with everything that they did throughout the draft and with this trade, their receiver corps got one better and faster. But for me, I just feel like all the receivers now are the same. Is Rieger, Goodwin, and Deshaun Jackson are all fast and will take the top off of defenses. So, I mean, as a defense, it's going to be hard to guard all of them. But when it comes to rest, I, they're going to probably all be on the injury uh, reserve or in, the injury report with uh, hamstring in, injuries. Uh, <laughs> so Deshaun Jackson, mark him up week one. But honestly, if I had to say <laughs> anyone won this trade, I'd say the Eagles won this trade because I know they used that pick in terms of the, the six-round pick. They used the offensive tackle, Prince Tega Wanogo um, out of Auburn. Uh, he's more of a developmental talent at offensive tackle, but I know with losing Jason Peters, they can use depth at the position too. And he, that was a bargain too because he was projected to go a lot higher. And then San Fran just used a tight end on Charlie Warner. He's from Georgia, but I wouldn't expect much out of him. <laughs> uh, especially, that's kind of why they got him so late. But the Eagles definitely won this trade in terms of getting the offensive tackle and Goodwin. But financially, it's going to hurt them long term. And he probably won't produce as much as they're hoping because he's going to probably get injured. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, the Eagles... Uh... The I mean, Eagles are sketchy. I mean, as a Giants fan, <laughs> as a Giants fan, I mean, I don't want to wish injury on nobody, but I mean, in, an injury like that would benefit us. But I'm not expecting us to be in playoff contention this season, at least. But Goodwin, I like him as a player, but it just sucks that he has to go to the Eagles because now we have to play him. And obviously, I'm not going to root for him. I'm going to be rooting against him. But which of these trades do you feel like is going to have the biggest impact? You can say long-term, short-term, it doesn't really matter, but which one do you think will have the bigger impact? Or you could say immediate impact. It depends. For me, it's between either Williams or Gronk. It's tough because, like you said, the Bucks are in win-now mode, and Gronk is definitely a good piece to start with if you want to win now. But if they don't, it didn't really pan out well for them. And so I think Williams is overall the best pick here. Long-term, he's a great left tackle. Like you said, Staley's retiring. They're going to have a left tackle for years years to come, as long as you know they make the cap space work. So overall, I think they have the best trade or the best profit, the best acquisition through all the trades, at least long-term, big picture. Okay. So for me, I say the trade that has the biggest impact would have to be the Williams trade. For me, it, would, it was really between Williams and Brita. Like I said before, 
Brita is more of one-year rental, but you get to see what he can do as the lead back and see if you want to invest more years and money into him. But I'd say Williams is because the 49ers just finished going to the Super Bowl. And if they're not going to lose any production in terms of the offensive line because Staley and Williams are pretty hand-in-hand in terms of production. Yeah. But if anything, they got better because Williams is younger. Yeah, and, I agree. And they're going to be very good for a very long time. Or not very long time, but for the coming years, they'll be pretty good. For a while. Yeah, for a while, they'll be pretty good. So I just say Williams will have the bigger impact immediately and long-term. Uh, so I just feel I like, especially for the price that they got, you can't really be getting a Pro Bowl left tackle of his caliber. That's all we have for you today. We want to thank you for tuning in. We'd appreciate it if you could like, follow, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We would definitely be coming out with more content soon. Hopefully this quarantine can come to an end so we can have a bit more sports to talk about with you all. Thank you again, and see you next time. Oh, fuck.